welcome back to the Go Deep Podcast. This is your host, Eric Ramirez, coming to you live from Damascus, Maryland. Your resident uh, Jets fan. Uh, sometimes I wish I could just forget that I am, but I can't. Uh, Barcelona fan, Wizards fan. Here to uh, pass it over to my co-hosts here. The gambling man himself, the guy that's barred from any uh, casino from Las Vegas, Lauren. Hey, hey, yeah, you know, that's right. Um, So, as Lauren Heap, you can find me on Twitter at the underscore Heap 21. I'm a Washington football team fan, so this winning four-game winning streak has been awesome, but I know we're going to ruin it because we can't have anything nice. Uh, the Wizards, uh, um, you know, I can no longer go to any more Wizards game this year because we seem to get beat by 40. Um, at least the Ludacris concert was fun. Uh, but, you know, anything D.C. sports related, Nationals, Capitals, all that good stuff. So, I'm going to swing it over to my other co-host, AJ. Yeah, this is uh, AJ coming to you uh, live from Shady Grove, Maryland. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and in most places at Dunedin Jets. Uh, I'm a Washington sports fan with the sole exception of my beloved Baltimore Orioles. Uh, ready to kick things off this week, guys. Kick them off, we will. Um, funny enough, you know, we're talking about kicking things off. Major League Baseball just ended uh, probably like a month and a half, two months ago. Um, and already kicking off with big news for the offseason. Uh, I'm going to let AJ and Lauren kind of expand on this a little bit because it's, it's interesting for me. I've only I've only experienced like an NFL lockout type of deal. Um, and that might have been different than what's happening now. Uh, but there is a owner lockout by uh, the owners in Major League Baseball. Uh, AJ, you mind explaining the difference between that and like, say, like a strike or something like that um, for everybody listening at home? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, as the resident Kung Fu labor leftist, I'm uh, happy to fill you guys in. A, uh, a, a strike is, of course, when the player, when the workers in a given industry all collectively take the decision or make the decision to stop work uh, in, in, um, in exchange or in order to apply pressure to the bosses um, <clears throat> to, to settle a more fair contract. Uh, a lockout is basically the owners going on strike. So as opposed to the workers saying, we're not going to operate the machines in your factory, the owners decide to lock the door to the factories and say, you have no access to the machines in my factory anyway. Um, it is an offensive tool uh, used by the owners. And it, it's in some sense, in some ways, uh, it is uh, the most powerful tool that they, that they can, um, that they can use. Um, now, the effect of it is a little bit uh, odd at this point um, because right now, obviously, we're deep in the offseason in baseball. Uh, and so there's no baseball being played right now. So, the, you know, the effects of a lockout aren't exactly, um, uh, you know, aren't exactly going to be felt that much. Uh, now, of course, the pressure to settle uh, on the players is going to be greater the closer that we get to spring training and, uh, and the start of the season because the lockout is still going on. Then those players will not be getting paid. Uh, they're not put to work. Um, and in, in my opinion, this is my opinion, um, you know, watching this whole thing, I would imagine that the owners do not expect to have an agreement anytime soon because the distance between where the players want to want to be and where they want to be at, uh, you know, in negotiations is so far apart. Uh, and they're hoping to engage in what I would call the NFL two-step uh, which is to divide the younger and less well-paid players from the superstars uh, in order to uh, split the split the union um, uh, effectively enough such that they can force a worse contract on the players as a whole uh, and in so doing um, uh, one weaken the weaken the power of the union 
to in, uh, ensure that they can enhance their own profits even more than what they've already done. And three, uh, effectively, um, uh, I guess you could say neuter the union um, uh, ahead of future negotiations. Um, so my, my guess is that's what's going to happen, or at least that's that. Well, sorry, I should take that back. I don't know what's going to happen as far as the how how much solidarity the players have with each other in the M, uh, in the MLBPA, um, because the MLB was the first major sport in the in the country to unionize. Uh, they've uh, they, they have been strikes uh, by the players, and they've been able to win quite a bit over the years. Um, and then in the past, roughly in the past twenty five years, they've been giving uh, making concessions to to the owners, uh, giving them a greater share of the revenue uh, that comes from um, you know TV and and from just the re the revenue of daily operations in baseball, um, and then granting them more control over the players uh, over time. And so, uh, you know, the trend has been that the owners sort of get more of what they want than the players get. Um, and this in during this contract negotiation. Uh, the players expect to win more. Um, they expect to, they at least they've expected to ensure a, a greater share of the revenue to, um, towards themselves, uh, to ensure greater rights uh, for them um, as, in terms of trade clauses and all that kind of stuff. Um, and uh, there's also been some talk about limiting teams' ability to tank for a whole season. Um, some, as some have uh, noted, the, my beloved Baltimore Orioles have been doing that this past year. Uh, but it's okay, we trust the process. Uh, but that, anyway, that's a, that's an aside. Um, that's so, not and, painful. Well, well, the thing is, the reason why it's annoying for the players is because um, a team like the Baltimore Orioles then removes itself by deciding to tank, removes itself from the free agent pool, right? So that means that the players aren't, uh, you know, law of supply and demand. If there's less demand, then that that causes the prices for certain free agents to go down, and so. Uh, you know, they obviously um, the players are sort of aggrieved at this in particular because over the course of the last, uh, you know, between now and the last contract, uh, the average player salary, I believe, is down about four million dollars than than what it was before uh, contract negotiation. So a lot of money on the table um, and the owners are being particularly greedy in the in the MLBPA um, uh, or they're being particularly greedy in the MLB. In, in large uh, in large part because their revenues have have steadily increased uh, for the past 25 years uh, during the time that they've been been doing their best to um, you know to, to break the union so uh, their demands don't make a whole lot of sense um, I and like I said I, I don't I don't I don't know what the outcome of this is going to be I could have probably predicted the NFL uh, the really bad NFL contract um, because the I, it's just been historically the case that the players have not quite um, had as much solidarity as you would have liked to, to see uh, from a really militant union. Uh, now in the MLB, that might be a little bit different, um, but uh, but we're going to have to see. Um, and the owners have decided to put uh, to have decided to you know sort of call the question straight up front. Um, and uh, so you know we'll we'll see if the players can can get it get it together, stick together, and kick their bosses' asses, or if uh, or if you know we end up with a with a another bad contract. Um, Sorry, that was long, but uh, any questions or, or Lauren, would you like to comment or anything? Yeah, no, I just think, like you said, it's a big thing is the solidarity there. I always think about the, you know, the minor league player. I'm sitting there at home making minimum wage and maybe I've got a family and a kid and they go, hey, we can sign you to a big league contract if you come play, you know. So the whole solidarity of, you know, being like turning down that money, that huge chunk of change that could change my life or, you know, standing standing my ground. And it's kind of just, you know, that's what they're that's the kind of feel like what they're uh, uh 
exploiting. Uh, the other thing I saw the other day was the, uh, you know, guys were, you know, and maybe AJ, you might disagree with this. Guys were saying on Twitter about how like there's low budget teams and low budget franchises. And some guy just cleared the storm and was like, there is no such thing as a broke professional team. Like they're like, oh, you can't pay these players. No, 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 no. They make they, uh, these owners make plenty of money to pay these players. You can't have a payroll of the Orioles. that's $26 million and Max Scherzer are making 40, you know, a year. So it's just you, there's they're they're billionaires arguing with millionaires right now, and so you know we still got a little ways for spring training to come out. So we'll see what happens. But I always just think about me personally. I always think about how I would be if I was a minor league player getting offered getting offered that sort of like, you know, kind of what's it called, uh, be a scab or cross the line. So you know that whole unwritten rules of baseball where if you're a major leaguer and you go to the minors or you're up in the pro uh, the highest level and you go to the minors you like buy everybody's dinner every night and kind of things like that so those sort of like things that go on and stuff like that behind the scenes but I mean we'll see like we still got some time we'll see what we'll see what happens so yeah and I think there's there's one major update uh with respect to the relationship between the the major league players and the minor league players uh recently the um Major League Players Association, uh, MLBPA, was able to force the uh, the MLB owners to pay for housing for the um, for the minor league players, which is something that they hadn't been doing, um, and that's a major major victory um, to alleviate some of the really um, really piss poor working conditions that minor league players have to go through. Um, just just for the folks at home, if you're not if you're not a baseball fan, the minor league baseball is like uh, sort of like college football. It's like where the um, uh, the the players sort of they ent- that's where they enter the professional game. They learn how to hit with a wooden bat. Um, they catch themselves up to major league pitching speed, all that kind of stuff. Um, it's sort of like a training ground. And then one and typically uh, the working conditions in the minor leagues are really really bad. That um, you don't get paid very much. It's like it's it's like as little as uh, a few hundred dollars a week in some cases. Um, and uh, and um, uh, once you uh, but but in any case, you go through this be- in in hopes that you get that major league contract, which really steps up. And because the MLBPA has been so strong, um, you know, once you've played in the major leagues for a little while, you or you know for a certain period of time over the course of a season, you, you're guaranteed a certain minimum amount of money that's really worth your time. So um, so in any case, that's what the minor league is, and it was really a huge victory for the players to force um, owners to pay for their housing. So. Um, you know, now what the question is, is the, is the union militant enough to make them have to raise the minor leaguers consciousness so that they know that, hey, that was the union that did that. It wasn't it wasn't the owners doing it of their own free will or because they wanted to. It's because they knew they had to in order to remove that issue from the table. And, you know, given that given that fact, what you know, what more could we could we force these guys to concede if they're if they're able and willing to pay for our housing? What else could we get out of this if we stick together? So. Um, and that's going to be up to the the players to to do that work um, of organizing and and um, you know really raising the consciousness of, of of their own members to go into a to go into a real fight. Um, so we'll see. And, and to be honest, I'm not sure the owners are prepared for it. I don't. I think they're expecting the union to roll over a little bit. Um, and uh, you know, I, I just uh, they they might be surprised. Um, it's been you know it's COVID. We've seen strike waves all across the country. The Kellogg's workers just rejected today, uh, rejected, um, it, don't buy Kellogg's products, guys, by the way. Uh, shout out to, shout out to those Kellogg's workers. They just rejected a contract, um, um, that the, the, um, that the owners were offering them, um, because they tried to split, uh, split the older members away from the newer members, uh, in terms of what their benefits might be. And the, the you know, the union just said that's unacceptable. We're not doing it. Great show of solidarity. We look forward to them winning that fight. 
Um, and, uh, you know, and it's all this labor unrest is a result of, of really horrendous working conditions imposed by the owners during a, a global pandemic. And, you know, I think the owners might be surprised in the MLB uh, at what the will, at the, at what the will, uh, players are willing to do in order to win a fight. Um, but, uh, you know, I can't be certain. Let's see. Hopefully the NFL two step doesn't work this time. I got like, so based off of everything that both of y'all were just talking about, I got a couple questions, just like. I kind of feel like I'm in the audience seat at this point because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not super well versed. So, like, I remember at the NFL lockout, um, it was like they ended up making the really crappy rookie contracts and pay scales depending on your draft position and like a couple other things that off the top of my head I don't remember. But I'm gonna I'm gonna circle back first to Lauren what you had brought up right like with a minor league baseball. Could that be a situation like I'm, I'm gonna reference the um, the replacements you know that movie with like. Um, Keanu Reeves or like the major league players all just went on strike and um, then the owners yeah, just I brought in all their play. Is that like something that can really happen in, in major league baseball with the minor leagues players? Yes. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's the minor leagues are on contract. So there, there there's different levels to the minors. So there's single a double a and triple a. And if you're under contract, they can, they can turn to you and say, we'll pay you, you know, the minute. So like in the NFL, like if you get called up from the practice squad, you think the, I'm pretty sure the minimum you get is like 30 K that I'm pretty sure there might be some minimums along those lines too, or they could offer you just like a minimum major league contract, which is going to be, you know, quadruple, whatever salary you're making at whatever level you're at. And so then it, then, so what they do is that's what AJ was saying about the divide is that you have this young guy who's maybe who are, uh, or this guy who's been in the system for a little while and maybe has a family or does very sick of living the um, living the $12 an hour type type uh, uh, minimum wage type uh, triple level triple A and he can get called up to the majors. So then, you know, that's life changing for him. Right. You get to say I get to play in a major league game. I got a major league contract. I got major league money. And that was kind of what I was hinting at with those unwritten rules that they have kind of like pro guys take care of the, the, the upper level athletes take care of everybody in the clubhouse to a certain right. extent. Right. Like. I think Juan Soto said his first week there, Bryce Harper bought him two suits, right? Like just spent like a couple grand on brand new suits for him. Same. So like he could look, so like when he would show up to games and things like that. So like, that's like what they'll do. They'll take care of you as long as you take care of them. And so that's kind of, that's kind of the MO, but I mean, it's hard when you're looking at, you could, you're looking at potentially life-changing money sitting in front of your face. So it's just, that's, okay. it's just, yeah, they, but so yeah, they, yes, essentially to answer your question. It, what's funny is I, what, I, I was thinking the replacements the whole time we were talking about this. I was thinking about yeah. that movie the entire time we were talking about this, but essentially, yes, it's similar. Um, it's similar in the sense they won't gra necessarily grab guys off the street because they'll have them in their farm system. They'll gotcha. just pull them up. Now I'm going to like, I'm going to take that as well. AJ, you, you were mentioning, like you were expanding a little bit on the explanation of like, um, how the the minor leagues are like a breeding ground for all these for all these players who are just coming in to like you know prepare for the leagues and potentially move up. Um, either one of you can answer, but like, what about the college kids, right? Because I know like several college teams or like college teams all over the place have baseball teams. Um, what's it like? Like, could we see college kids just make the jump? Because I kind of feel like that's what that like the NFL. If they were in this position, that's what they might do, right? Like kids who dropped out or who are willing to just drop out of college with a drop of a hat and just go to that. I don't know, to the NFL, right? Because NFL doesn't have minors. They used to have like the AFL, XFL, Arena Football League and all this stuff, but that's all kind of defunct. So uh, like in baseball, can we see college kids instantly make that jump or is that something that doesn't happen often? Like what's that like? Yeah, I mean, basically in baseball, that that pretty much doesn't happen. Um, and there's a big difference. There's a big skill gap between the college game and the, and the, and the professional game. 
Um, and most kids are just not able to make that leap instantly. They need to get acclimated to this is what my this is what major league pitching looks like. And also a big difference between the the college game and the minor leagues and the major leagues is in college baseball they use aluminum bats. Uh, and the and aluminum bats the difference isn't just that the bats have more pop, which they do. It's also that the sweet spot on the bat is much larger than it is in uh, in in the professional game with the wooden bat. Um, so it takes a little while to get used to hitting. Um, in the major leagues, uh, as opposed or hitting hitting for, for the hitting hitting with the big boys versus hitting with the uh, with with college kids. Now, right, right. You know, in terms of in terms of like what the owners are willing to do, I do not put anything past capitalists to be a bunch of assholes. Uh, so I, I, you know, we could see that we could see that happen. Um, you know, college kids being pulled straight up. How would that affect the product? Would the would the would the? I mean, there's questions about that, right? Because on, on the one hand. Like how how does that affect your your the product you're putting out there? Are people going to watch, uh, you know, kids who are just not used to, uh, swinging the bat with uh, you know, with the, with made against major league pitching? Um, are they going to want to see them go up there and and try and hack at the ball and and, right. and suck, uh, and ground out a bunch of consistent times. strikeouts every game? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Are are you know, there's there's just a lot of question marks about whether they the owners would want to destroy their own product that much um i think we all remember the um the when the nfl referees struck and just the horrendous and ridiculous outcomes that 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 presented um and even the nfl owners had to kind of fold on that one because uh because man we had some some historically bad calls uh i don't know if that ever ended judging by the officiating this year but (laughs) so so in any case um i think uh, we could we could see something like that with college players being called up, you know, way too early. I don't think I, I don't think it's a likely outcome. Um, but again, I don't I don't put anything past the depravity of of a bunch of a group of thirty ancient capitalists who you know want nothing more than just to make sit there and make a bunch of money for some reason, um, even more than they already have. So uh, so yeah, damn licks. Um, all right, this is just like a parting shot for both of you, but. Uh, I, and I'm going to start off with Lauren, you first, but what's something that you would actually be really interesting in seeing uh, pass and like put through um, the, after, you know, this is all said and done and like the dust has settled. No, I think the uh, AJ brought it up or, or um, and that's what I forgot about this whole thing is that they got the miners housing. I think taking care of the miners, I think is a big step and a big push in the right direction. I'd like to see that. Um, and I'd like to see them get taken care of more. Um, the other big thing I think I was trying to think of was I was listening to Ryan Zimmerman. He calls into a radio show, the sports junkies I listen to every morning and he, or once a week. And he was talking about tanking teams, tanking and owners like going, you know, and he's saying, you know what, we're players. We want to win. Like, don't, we don't want We don't want to sit up there and have this like, like, like tank tank for this or that like if you if you're going to tank sell the team because we want to compete and we want to play now and so kind of just think things like that you know hoping that he's like we're you know we're competitive we're not out there trying to lose you know we're out there trying you know getting home runs helps us you know getting hits helps us getting wins helps us as players so something along those lines too with dealing with owners and and making sure that so so essentially dealing with the miners and somehow handling the owners but that's that's pretty much it. Helping the miners out, I think, would be the uh, be the number one thing. You no, know, getting them either a pay raise or then the housing, I think, was huge. So right. something something along those lines. That's dope. That's dope. AJ, what about you, man? Something that you'd be really interested in seeing come out of this? Yeah, I mean, I think um, basically, you know, as someone who's who's act who's been active in the labor movement, like personally, it's just whatever the players want. But I think to me, what what's most what would be most interesting is to have the player the owners give up some sort of control. 
over the conditions of the game, which is what they've um, sort of been doing for the past 25 years, is acquiring more and more control over uh, over the game itself. Uh, and let's be honest, in a lot of cases, the game kind of sucks now because of what they've done. Um, and and so uh, I think it would be really great to see like the players having being able to have some sort of form of participation and control over things like uh, you know the new like baseball design because one of the one of the huge uh, the big problems the past year has been that the owners switched out a new baseball uh, and there have been some pretty credible reports that the owners without telling anybody switched the balls out uh, last season um, and and just like you know. Yeah. It, and the thing is, the ball this year was presenting different outcomes than, than you would have seen in past years. It, it you know, it was designed to to fly farther and stuff like that. Uh, right. you know, and and so it's like, you know, them making changes at, at, with nobody's notice. Uh, and basically, also, the, one of the things that they've been doing for the past 25 years is really gearing the game towards home runs and strikeouts, as if that's all anyone wants to see in a baseball game. Um, you know, there's just not been a lot of re- not been a lot of reward for a player to um, you know, be, be a 300 plus hitter, you know, get, get, get lots of hits, uh, and learn the basics of just basic base running, uh, base running in baseball right now is, is, is just atrocious. People don't know how to do it properly. Uh, and you end up with these really stupid and easy outs, uh, because we're all out here waiting for the next big home run, as opposed to like, Hey, maybe I should just hit for contact and get a single here and get my guy around a third base. Um, you know, you just don't, you, you don't see that uh, those outcomes in baseball just quite as much as you would like. And it's because of the ways that the owners have tried to gear the game towards home runs and home runs and, and strikeouts. And it's like, we all love a good home run. We all love the strikeout, but what, what makes baseball a great game is, is, has, is, is, and always has been the drama of the whole thing. Uh, you know, knowing the situation, being in the bottom of the ninth with two outs and down a run, can you get a man on first base? You know, are you going to bund them over or not? Like, what's all all that all that chess? Uh, you know, that goes on um, between the man opposing managers uh, and and whether or not their players can execute. And then, of course, you've got the other chess game which is going on, and that's the the, the game of uh, you know cat and mouse going on between the hitters and the pitchers. Um, you know, so it's that layering of of different levels of drama that really makes baseball a great game. Um, and the owners have just have just done what they can to sap that. Uh, in favor of ESPN highlights, um, you know, it's just it's just not a good exercise. It's not good for the game, um, and the players know that. And so, I think uh, it would be great to see them gain more control over uh, over the way that the game is played. The other thing I, I will say, just to mention, the minor league baseball players are not in a union. They're not part of any union, um, and so I think it would be a really great strategy and a really great idea for the MLB Players Union Association to start unionizing the minor league players. Uh, while these negotiations are taking place, if the owners want to lock us out, they want they don't want to bend on any of our demands. Fine, we're gonna we're gonna make sure that you have you know it's gonna hurt your pocketbook uh, because since we're not gonna be spending time at the bargaining table, then we're gonna be spent and we're not gonna be spending time uh, you know in spring training or getting ready for the season. Then I'm gonna spend it organizing these other players so that we can take more money and more power away from you. Um, you know over in that in that respect. I think that would be really cool. I, I hope they do that. I uh, hope they listen to this podcast and uh, and adopt me as their, uh, you know, as one of their strategists. Uh, but anyway. Hire AJ, guys. Yeah. Major League Baseball uh, Players Union or Association. Give us a call. Give us you a call. You know where to find us. Um, yeah, I, you know, from an outsider's perspective and someone who's who's just kind of starting to dabble into the sport, it's I kind of feel like it's an interesting time to get into it because – uh not only from you guys but from like 
random conversations I've had with people at a bar or um, conversations I recall having like in college talking about baseball. Like you can really tell that um, only real diehard fans really pay close attention to the game now because everybody else is just bored. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens for sure. Um, we will be we will be keeping an eye on everything as it progresses, um, heading into spring training and all that here at the Go Deep Podcast. Um, and we'll you know we'll be giving you guys updates or uh, giving everybody updates um, as they come in. So uh, any parting shots, uh, Lauren? It looked like you kind of wanted to mention something real quick. Um, no, I was just going to bring up the uh, the baseballs that AJ brought up. That um, the rumor oh. mill is that they changed them, but he he he, he touched on it so. I forgot if it was one of you guys too that mentioned that um, Lauren. I'm pretty sure it was you that mentioned that, like the MLB had just partnered up with like a gambling, like a sports gambling partner or something like that. Oh yeah, they yeah they they've got some like influence now on like the sports gambling where they can uh, the owners. It's something like the owners own it, like they own a, sh- a stake in the company. So like they can Ooh. they can randomly the the rumor mill is that they're randomly changing baseball so scores go up or higher or lower. Um, and they, they put a substance in the ball, I guess that either that, that makes it go farther. So when it hits off the bat, it gets, it gets, so like, there's a shot, people are referencing a shot. Um, Max Serzer was pitching against, uh, another pitcher and he threw, um, Ooh, I'm going to probably mess this up. I think a, a sinker or an outside in the, he, the bottom, bottom right or bottom left of the uh, strike zone. And the, the pitcher literally like golf swinged at it and got just, and somehow cleared it. Like it just, the angle doesn't make any sense. And somehow it's, so everybody's just like, this is a prime example of what was in that baseball. Cause a pitcher, pitchers aren't known for their hitting or their power. And this dude, this dude just launched a monster, monster shot that was like impossible angle. But anyway, that's, that's a different story. Uh, so <laughs> I, the, I think that, uh, you know, that, that, that it has influence on it. So they'll switch out the balls if they want a game to go higher or lower kind of things like that. So. That's shady. Filling the balls up with flubber. Yeah, I, I mean, I think, and this is just another example of the the totalizing central logic of neoliberal capitalism coming into play in your everyday life. Uh, the the Major League Baseball, the corporation bought, you know, which is you know the, the corporation is the vehicle for the owners. Major League Baseball bought Rawlings, which is the the company that makes the baseballs. So there. <laughs> So they they've they've essentially increased their control over uh, the conditions of the game by doing that, um, and you know just the the, the capitalist drive to purchase ever ever more uh, aspects of every everyday existence, um, you know, and, and what you end up with ultimately is a worse product, um, and and the owners being really crappy, and and you see this you see this again with them getting in bed with these uh, with these gambling companies this is inevitably going to result in a gambling scandal. I mean, it's just, you're just basically like, Oh yeah. You're, you're putting, you're getting your Tinder from outside from the dry pile of wood. You're sick. You're sticking it right next to your fireplace and yep. you're let, you're striking a match and you've got all the ingredients there. You, maybe you're not putting the start in the fire yet, but it's, it's coming. I mean, you, you can just see it coming. And where there's smoke, there's fire. Mm-hmm. That's right. We'll see what happens. That that's, that's actually the more interesting part and something that, kind of stuck with me after Lauren mentioned all that because I was like, mm, somebody's out here scheming a way to set up games and make some money. But I, but we'll see how that all plays out. Um, we're going um, to transition to towards the NBA. We here at the Go Deep podcast, uh, podcast, can't talk right now, but um, <clears throat> we spent our Friday evening. Was it Friday? It was Friday. We spent our Friday evening watching our lovely Washington Wizards get absolutely spanked by the Cleveland Cavaliers. The old man shell of himself, Kevin Love, out there didn't do much. 
Um, but apparently we still can't stop them. Uh, the Ludacris concert was also kind of disappointing because the sound quality was bad. You would assume that uh, that the Capital One Arena borrowed those speakers from a local public school. Uh, that's how bad it was. Ludacris uh, was he was he seemed excited enough. I mean, for you know doing a random concert in DC, but um, yeah, the Wizards are looking a little rough, man. They've all they they lost last night. Um, they lost Friday. They're not looking real sharp. Uh, Lauren, what? What do you think is, I mean, what are you thinking about this team right now? We're kind of seemed like they're stumbling. They're kind of in a daze. I mean, what are you thinking? Yeah, we started out pretty high. Now we've kind of hit a little adversity. Um, I think the biggest issues are we start too slow. Um, We find ourselves in double-digit holes pretty early. Um, And it looks like in the last two losses we had against the Pacers and the Raptors, uh, we outscored them in the second half. Um, so, you know, we're, it's just that we, we, but they, uh, they beat, they outscored us in the first half. So, you know, we, we kind of turn it, we can turn it, turn it on. It's the problem is it takes, it takes a while, you know, the, against Toronto the other night, uh, we scored, only scored 12 points in the first, in the first quarter. And that's just not going to cut it. That's putting yourself into do, too big of a hole with them because they scored 40 in the second, but we went on to score 30 and that's fine. But then you're already, you're already a deficit. So, um, and then we outscored them from there on out, but it was too big of a hole from the first half. So I think the issue is we start out too slow. Um, energy, uh, energy seems to me to be lacking, and not in the sense that like we're not coming. Maybe, maybe, maybe I meant that in the sense we're not coming out ready to play. I think the rebounding. So I thought the biggest thing I noticed um, the first couple of games was our rebounding ability and crashing the boards and kind of chasing down loose balls. I feel like we're doing a lot of standing around right now, and I don't know if that's just fatigue or I don't know if that's just people are trying to figure out the offense or what exactly is going on there. But um, there, to me, it just seems what I, the eye test for me right now is that, you know, shot will go up, we'll all just stand there and freeze. And then all of a sudden, um, I, felt, I think it was against the uh, uh, the Raptors, or I felt like I think I was watching that game, and I felt like they were just grabbing every lose rebound, and we were just kind of just lost and couldn't couldn't get a hold of it. Gafford got in early foul trouble. He's been a great defensive presence, and I felt like been a great presence in the paint. But then he gets in foul trouble and has to come out. Um, I think that that hurts us. And so uh, Beal did all he could the other night. I think he dropped thirty. Um, uh, he dropped uh, thirty four. And so you know we close strong, but I think we just start out too flat. Um, we'll see what happens. We, we close out this road trip tomorrow. We're supposed to get Rui back, hopefully, um, after this road trip. And also Thomas Bryant might get worked back in the rotation. So to me, that just seems like what it is. They'll, they'll, they'll figure it out. I think they'll, um, uh, we'll, we'll see. I just think, that, like I said, I think it might just be in, maybe not an energy thing, but I don't know if that's the right word to use, but I feel like we just get, we just, you know what I mean? Like, it's kind of like things were coming, not easy for us, but we were like winning all these games and we kind of got hot. And then we're kind of like, oh yeah, that's right. We still have to do the dirty work. Like we still have to hustle. We still have to crash the board strong kind of things like that. So a lot of people are harping on Spencer Dinwiddie. Um, I think that'll come with time. Um, if you, if you look over a career of point guards, um, there, there, people are mad. He's not, he's not attacking the paint more. Um, I think just just because he's coming off his ACL surgery, I think it's going to take some time. Um, there's a history of point guards coming off ACL tears. They don't they don't drive to the paint as much. They tend to shoot they tend to uh, shoot jumpers. So I think that um, I think that'll come in time. I think as he gets worked back into the rotation. But anyway, those are my two cents on the eye test I got from the last few games. The Cavaliers just came out and just just put it on us. They just came out and they just were hot. Um, and we only scored 17 points in the second quarter, and that's just not going to do it to their 31. Um, so I think we'll, but I think this is like, this will give us some adversity. You know, I think we win the next game. I think we come out hot. I think we, and I think we get the win, but AJ, what are your sense? Two cents. Yeah. I mean, we dropped, I mean, I, 
we're just not shooting well. Uh, guys aren't hitting their open shots, and and I don't know I don't know what to do about that. It's it's interesting because uh, you know the the looks that they're getting are good looks. Uh, you know, it's a guy. It's a guy. You know, they're getting they're getting plenty of separation. Uh, these are shots that should be made at the at the professional level in the NBA, uh, and they're just not falling. Uh, the too many missed free throws, in my opinion, as well. Uh, so there's just some. I mean, you know. I can give you all sorts of complicated analyses about, you know, how you should get guys open or like how you should play the pick and roll game or what you should do the rotation here and there. But at the end of the day, if the ball's not going in the hoop, you're not going to win basketball games. Uh, so that's my John Madden comment for the evening. Um, but like. Drew Gooden, your, your Drew Gooden comment. I mean, it's, it's just, it's just true. I mean, there's not, there's no way, there's no way around that. All the, all the complicated fancy stuff is all just designed to get you, to make it easier for you to do that fundamental thing of putting the ball in the hoop. And it's just not happening. Uh, I think there are some, some times when uh, the team is just not hustling. Uh, and I think the Wizards are at their absolute worst when they're, uh, when they're all standing out, outside the paint, they get nice spacing, but then they just stand there. There's no, like, there's no cuts to the basket. There's no, there's no flash for a screen or anything like that. They just kind of, they're just kind of standing around watching each other. Uh, and then the ball goes up and nobody goes to get a rebound. They're just kind of standing watching. Uh, you know, moments too, too big for them. Yeah, moments too big. Exactly. Just gonna, just gonna piss down my leg. It's interesting uh, you bring that up because I, I even remember on on Friday when we were at the game, like there was one point where Kuzma's outside, everybody else is outside, like all spread out, and he's just motioning, like someone go in, someone yeah. go in, <laughs> and everybody else is like looking at each other, like do I go in? Like oh, <laughs> I don't know. It's like it's like they're thinking too much about like what's the perfect offense or like what's the right play instead of like just being like. Hey, you remember, how, you remember how you played basketball in a gym when you were like 13? You should probably just do some of that. You know, like, like cut to the basket. Like, just go try, out there and ball. Set a screen. Yeah, just go out there and, and play basketball on some level. You know, uh, it's, it, there's like levels to it, right? I mean, it's, it's nice to, to run the perfect offense or, or to have a set play or whatever and, and just have perfect execution on it. But if you're not, if you're just standing there, you're, you might as well just be down at the other end on defense already. Uh, you know, like, like, what's the point of you even being out, being out there on the offensive side of the basketball? So, um, I, I think that's, I think those are probably my the broadest strokes. My, uh, my things. I, I my pet peeves in terms of things that I get annoyed by. Uh, I get annoyed when Kyle Kuzma puts the ball on the floor. Um, I get annoyed when Raul, uh, Raul uh, Neto misses free throws, which he does way too often. Even though he does a pretty good job of getting, getting, getting the calls. Um. And I also get annoyed when they when they're standing around watching the ball instead of getting rebounds on both on both sides of the floor, offensive and defensive side. Uh, so I I hope that uh, West Unsell is able to clean that up, um, and let's hope they can get a dub. They lost their third straight game uh, yesterday for the first time this season. Uh, that's not something I've ever said about the Wizards this far into December. Uh, so that's kind of refreshing to say, I guess, in that respect. Uh, but let's hope they get they can clean this up and turn things back the way in the direction they had it. Looks like we have a cupcake of a team next too. So, uh, we play the uh, four and what was it? Four and nineteen Detroit Pistons, and they are two and nine at home. So it's an away game for us. But this is kind of a this is kind of a, what I call a cupcake game. Kind of get ready to get to just you know feast on and you know get yourself nice and fat again before you before you roll into a different city. So. So speaking of speaking of cupcake teams in the NBA. Um, how do you, how do you how do you guys feel about the uh, the Pacers right now? They seem to be full on crash mode, as AJ pointed out to me. Tank mode. Uh, AJ, you mind elaborating on that a little bit? Because it's kind of early. It seems like in the NBA. 
Yeah, so fresh off of their victory over the Washington Wizards yesterday, the uh, the news out of out of uh, Indianapolis is that the uh, they they the front office is embracing the tank mode, uh, and that they've got uh, on the trading block they've got Demontis Sabonis, who is an absolute monster uh, in the paint, uh, and um, Karis LeVert, who's uh, kind of a he's kind of a I don't know how to describe him. He's like a wing player who also has like ball skills. Uh, so he's not he's not just a threat. Uh, he's not really a threat that much from three, but he's got a really good mid range game uh, and can dribble and get to the get to the hoop. Uh, and then um, Miles Turner is also on. Apparently, they're they're entertaining trade offers for them. Those are their three best players. Uh, and so if they can't, uh, you know, they're basically saying uh, if if they're getting rid of them, they're basically saying we give up for this season. We we're just playing to um, so that we can rebuild. Um, if that's the case, uh, it would be really interesting to see where these players end up. Uh, I don't. I can't think off the top of my head of any natural fits for them. Um, <laughs> it would be interesting to see if uh, it would be really, really funny if Ben Simmons ended up going to play for the Pacers. Uh, but <laughs> but uh, but we'll see. We'll see. Uh, Lord, I don't know if you have anything to add to that. It's just rumors at this point. I, I think. Yeah. So they like AJ said for well, I guess they're they're sitting right now at the third worst in the East. So they're on the outside looking into the playoffs still, but. Um, yeah, they randomly announced they were in full-on tank mode. Uh, the haul for them, for those players, is going to be pretty hefty. Um, you're going to have to give up something uh, to get them, like some a decent chunk of first-round picks, or because Sabonis is an all-star. Uh, uh, Malcolm Brogdon's turning into an all-star, so um, you're going to have to give up some wealth for him. And the, but AJ, like AJ said, it's going to be interesting who who wants to give up, a, you know, a good chunk, of, a good chunk for him. Um, you know, it'd be interesting to see if they get shipped out west to one of those teams. You know, um, I'm not sure what the Lakers have anymore to trade, or maybe the Denver's Denver's you know floating around a, around the eighth seed. Maybe they they decide to uh, send some picks over and try to retool their team. But you know, Brooklyn's sitting at first. Chicago's playing really well. Milwaukee's playing really well. The Heat have a good team. We're playing well with our with our unit. Um, maybe the Celtics throw something at them, but it's just going to be interesting. Um, we still got a long way to go for the trade deadline. That's when it's going to get really interesting and talks will really probably start to heat up at that point. It'll be really telling if they start benching Sabonis and Brogdon and things like that, they stop playing. That's how, you know, something's really coming down the pipeline. So we'll just keep an eye out for that as we move forward. Interesting. There was uh, I just got a notification to that CJ McCollum. Um, apparently he's like injured with something. Um, that's going to require further testing. It was something like crazy too, um, that I can barely pronounce. He has a collapsed lung basically. Um, so he has a pneumothor- pneumothorax and will undergo additional valuation. So, uh, just some, uh, some interesting NBA news is, is everything kind of, you know, picks up for the NBA, um, moving over to NFL, which is kind of like on the tail end and twilight of the regular season now. Uh, a lot of the playoff pictures kind of painting, getting painted out. Um, you've got the Patriots now in the top seed in the AFC. Excuse me while I go throw up. Um, Arizona still number one in the NFC. Uh, number two in the AFC, you got the Titans. Number three is the Ravens. Four is the Chiefs. Five is the Chargers. Six are the Bengals. And dropping all the way to seven after last night's loss are the Bills. Uh, in the NFC, you got the Packers at two. Bucks at three, Cowboys at four, Rams at five. Washington is up to the sixth spot hey. after a convince or a tight win in Las Vegas, which was actually kind of a statement game in my opinion. And then you got the 49ers squeaking in at seventh. Um, but before we get into all that meat and bones of of that of the you know all the games and whatnot, 
Um, last week, we quickly mentioned that uh, RG3 is writing a book called Surviving Washington, I believe it's called. Uh, we all had questions about when the release was. Um, that is actually not releasing until August of 2022. Um, but you best believe that we will, all three of us are probably going to be buying that book hard copy. Um, so we will turn this into a book club in August discussing that because I am stoked. Gentlemen, anything you want to add about that? Uh, AJ, Lauren, uh, we're all just super excited. <laughs> yeah, no, I think I'm, I'm super excited just to hear. I, I, I'm very interested to hear about uh RG3's experience in Washington and uh and uh, you know I'm I'm you know at, I'm a little bit of a messy person in that in that respect I I want to I want to hear about the tea I want to hear all the tea yeah it's gonna be interesting because that was a real 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 uh storm there that was a real s storm there that happened there at the end in his career so it's gonna be interesting to see his side and I'm I'm really curious to see if all um Mike Shanahan or Kyle say anything in rebuttal to it, you know, because I'm sure there's going to be juicy stuff in there about them. And I know Kyle, Kyle will take the high road because he has to right now. Cause I feel like, cause he's a head coach, but I wonder if Mike going to come out and get, go on talk shows and be like, no, 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 no. Or, you know, whatever he has to say. So it'll be interesting. As details drop in from the book, uh, we will definitely be talking about it um, leading up to us reading it and eventually, you know, going into the deep details about it. But, Uh, One of the more surprising aspects of it that I just picked up on like last week was how um, RG3 apparently had, he he went through sexual harassment in the workplace over there too. So um, you add that into everything else that's been going on with Dan Snyder and the cheerleaders and the emails with Bruce Allen and all that mess. Uh, I am like AJ, very excited for this tea and it's going to be piping hot. (laughs) Uh, Moving forward, uh, Joe Buck last night on the Manning <laughs> cast absolutely destroyed Peyton Manning yo <laughs> why he had to do his man like that <laughs> yo he was a he was a few shots deep that's why he was out in Cabo <laughs> in his house he was Joe Buck was a few shots deep when he got up on that Manning cast yeah I was just out here being like wish I had a guess for that, that blowout Super Bowl huh Peyton <laughs> <laughs> bro the way he he laid that in so smooth I'm like yo. bro we need to we need to take uh Troy Aikman out of the booth. Just put Joe Buck in there with his good old friend Johnny Walker and let that man go. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely annihilated, my man. Um, That was a fun little bit. Uh, But on the same note, um, last night's game was absolutely insane. Uh, The weather up there was bananas. Wind so strong, it was curving freaking field goal posts. Uh, All they could do was run the ball. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, New England ran it. What what was that, AJ? 40, 40, 40 something? 46, 46 running plays. 46. Yes. Three pass attempts. Mac Jones had three pass attempts for 19 yards. And the national media is still gobbling, swallowing all of Mac Jones's, you know, what? He Apparently he was the highest, you know, completion rating against rookie quarterbacks. He threw three fucking passes. Anyways. <laughs> Um, Eric, Eric, tell us how you really feel. Sorry, let me, let me ruin this is a safe it. space. Me... This is a safe space. <laughs> Look, man, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go on a little tangent here. Okay, look, rookie quarterbacks. We've all been spoiled very recently with QB play from rookie quarterbacks. I'm talking about like Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Kyle Murray, Patrick Mahomes coming out his second year. I mean, like all these guys just come. Lamar Jackson, right? Like his rookie year was absolutely insane. So everybody is like. 
you know, super stoked when your team gets a rookie quarterback. We seem to forget that a lot of these kids are in basic like college systems where they have to go through maybe one or two reads. They don't have to read an entire like defense. They don't have to understand like blitzes and shifting the offensive line, making adjustments. Like so so <laughs> Mac Jones goes to a team with like I hate to admit it, but Bill Belichick's going to be first round, you know, first ballot Hall of Famer one day when he retires. He goes to a team with Belichick who's perennial in preparing his teams to be successful, doesn't need flashy free agent signings, although he did splurge a lot this year, absolutely loaded a defense that was already really opportunistic like two years ago or a year ago even. So you add all of that into it. I mean, the kid's, the kid's in a cushy position, and everybody just wants to suck him off, blow him up to be the like the next coming of Tom Brady. Fuck no. If Mac Jones were was was on the Dolphins, if he was – on the Jets, if he was in the Jaguars, he would look like a like a like a single father who just stumbled upon the NFL field. Uh, I, I, I'm absolutely befuddled and infuriated by this like sudden love that the that the media has for Mac Jones. Fuck them. Fuck the Patriots. Fuck Bill Belichick, even though he's a fantastic coach. Fuck that entire organization. You can go fuck yourselves. Anyways. Lauren, how, Eric, did you think, how did you feel Eric, about the game last night? What I heard from all that was you're just mad the Jets didn't draft any of those quarterbacks. That's that's essentially what I took from <laughs> took took from all that. <laughs> Look, so so you like think, Lamar Jackson? I was like, I, I think the Jets passed on him. Uh, <laughs> 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 I think they passed on him too. No, Look, I'm right. Boy. I'm right there with you, Eric. I'm right there with you. Uh, no, it's the same thing. If uh, a, there's a local radio guy here, it's like, why didn't we draft Mac Jones? And in my mind, I was like, we would ruin him. Like we yeah, we can't have work. nice things. It wouldn't work. Yeah, no, he's in a he's in a great situation in a in a, in a place where he's going to be uh, cushioned. Yeah, like you said, he's got a great head coach. A lot of people thought the Patriots were done after last year, but they forgot they had a bunch of COVID opt outs, especially on defense. Mm-hmm. They got all those players back. They're healthy. He spent in free agency this year. So, you know, and then obviously when he run the ball 46 times and only throw it three times, I could have played quarterback last night and hand the ball off 46 times to somebody. And I just got to not be passes, a derp and trip over myself. None of those passes went more than five yards. Like the longest no. one he completed was five yards past the line of scrimmage. Get out no. of here, bro. So, no, yeah, he's – he yeah, so there, there – of course, it's a – the white quarterback in New England that's winning, you know, and it's Bill Belichick. It's going to be the, the ESPN is going to eat him up. He built them up and they, they got built up because of Tom, you know, now they're just, they're, uh, uh, the ESPN likes it. They like the views. They like all that stuff. So they're, they're going to, they're going to, uh, and so does the media. They're going to be because yeah. like, yeah, because of Tom and ESPN or because of Tom and Bill, all the championships they won, their, their money draws or their, their attention draw uh, dollars, excuse me. So of course, of course you're going to get all the attention in the world, but yeah, uh, that game was nuts. Uh, though I loved watching, I love watching, um, uh, I love watching the kickers uh, pregame when they kick it and they go. It's supposed to go right down through the upright, and the ball stalls in the air and just flies backwards. That to me is just amazing. I just watched that. I just watched them kick because I just thought that was insane. And then I, I just saw today. I just sent you, I sent you guys a video earlier today with the goalposts getting blown over. I couldn't believe that either. Those things are tiny little things, and the wind was strong enough to bend them different directions. So. You know that game was that game was um, in, insane to say the least. Uh, Josh Allen had his moments. So uh, you, Eric, you must—I don't know who you hate more, Josh Allen or um, Mac Jones, but you must have been pretty happy Josh Allen lost last night, just a little bit. You know, I so I had I, I constantly have a lot of hate for for everybody in the AFC East. That's just in my nature right now. Uh, but I hate Josh Allen a lot less now. I, I gotta I gotta give it to him. I mean, yeah. 
he's he's a stud. I mean, he's yeah. he's a great quarterback. He's progressed a lot. So I mean, and that's good for the game, right? Because because it, it it makes everything exciting. If if Zach Wilson pans out, then we have three like young quarterbacks in the division who's going to make the game fun. So yeah, exactly. And I you you know. Huh? Just, you, I said, you know, and Zach Wilson, you know, he had his moments. I watched some of that Eagles, that Eagles uh, Jets game. You know, I told my, I was watching with my dad, and um, I think you guys had a huge kickoff return. I think right to open the game. Yards, yeah. yeah, and I said, here's going to be the interesting part. Can they punch it in? Can they get it in? The, can it, can they score a touchdown or can they get the, get the score? You know, and I, I think he managed to do that okay for the most part. Uh, that first half looked like. So I think your team, I think your team's going to be all right. I think he'll be all right too. So, yeah. uh, we'll, we'll um, get, I'll get into that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I got you. I got you. You're gonna tease at it. I got you. I'm yeah. Gonna... Yeah. No, that's a good teaser. I mean, I, I was I was a little happy. I was also by the second half. Uh, I had to turn off the TV and not watch football for the rest of the evening. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> AJ, last night's game. Any thoughts? Yeah, uh, I think it was it was really uh, it was a really fun game to watch. It was really wild. Um, I think what you saw here was you, you've got. I mean, I mean, I'll just make an analogy to to, fight, to combat sports, right? Like. You've got you've got boxers, you got fighters who are real flashy in the ring. Um, you know they've got all these different types of uh, you know these back all these backgrounds. Uh, you know, super, you know maybe one guy has like like Deontay Wilder has a lot of power, um, and then you've got your fighters who are t- are technicians. You know they, they, he's got a good jab. You know and, and he goes out and he he combos off that jab. And that's all it is, right? Uh, and I think Bill Belichick really took his playbook and just pared everything down. Uh, he said, you know what? You know, might not be able to get fancy play action passes. You know, we're not gonna we're not gonna do any weird uh, pitchbacks pitchbacks to the quarterback and you know flea flickers or whatever. We're not gonna do any of that. We're just gonna go out there and we're gonna we're gonna take a good we're gonna have a good jab. Uh, and and you know also it's it's sort of like basic strategy and tactics to like use the terrain and the, and the weather to your advantage if you if you can. Uh, and and that's what that's what Bill Belichick and the and the Patriots did. He said, look. Uh, you may be able to beat the Patriots. I have no idea whether you're not, whether you can or you can't, uh, you know, but I know you can't beat the wind uh, that you can't do. So, so, and, and he's gamble paid off, especially on that last drive. You know, the, the Buffalo bills are threatening to score. They, they need a touchdown and Josh Allen, you know, they get a, they get a third, uh, I think it was a first or a second and long. Uh, and, you know, Josh Allen has to throw three passes in a row. And what happens you know, the, the, the inevitable wind blows the ball off course to Stefan Diggs, one of the best receivers in the NFL. Uh, there's nothing he can do because the ball's never going to get there because there's 55 mile an hour winds in the air. Uh, and, you know, it doesn't take a whole lot. I mean, I, I don't want to sit here and like sing pions to, to Bill Belichick's greatness. Uh, but I, but I will say, I mean, the man knows how to look the situation squarely in the face. Uh, I mean, it doesn't take a whole lot of, uh, you know, business acumen or like intelligence to go there's a 55 mile hour wind gust maybe the ball shouldn't be thrown in the air uh and game analytics what no it yeah, doesn't take exactly. a lot of game like, analytics you need, yeah you don't need pro football focus to tell you not to throw the ball into 55 mile an hour winds uh, but the but the 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 bills said you know we, we're not that we're not that team that needs to run the ball that can run the ball 46 times and beat you now i may disagree with that you know, maybe the Bills, if they had been brave enough to commit to a strategy like that, would have scored more points. I don't know, uh, but the Patriots were. Bill 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 Belichick's was, and uh, hats off to him. Uh, that is a that is a style of football that none of us have seen in our lives in our lives, uh, and hasn't been seen in the NFL in, in popular terms since the 1940s. Uh, so so, congrats, Bill. 
Well, I, I do recall Damascus High School running the ball a whole lot when we were there. <laughs> <laughs> true, that's true. I hadn't thought of that. I hadn't thought of that. Not, but not in the NFL. Not the professional level, anyway. I, no, I do wonder. Huh? Go ahead, I was going to say, no, the, uh, when AJ was saying that he made they made Josh Allen pass, I was watching the pregame, and that Randy Moss was getting – Alex Smith was throwing the ball to Randy Moss, and he was just like, throw me a 10-yard route. Like, I'm going to run a dig. Throw the 10 yards. I want to see if the ball moves. And he just – Alex tossed him, and he's like, yep, the ball's moving immediately. So in a game where everything's down to half a second and there's, they, they throw the ball 70 miles an hour and it's a split-second decision, you know, and you stick your hands where it's supposed – the ball's supposed to be, and it just jumps one way left or right, you know, made all the difference in the world. But – Anyway, Eric, what were you gonna say? I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, no, you're good. I was just gonna, I was just gonna ask. Like, I wonder what the analytics team for Buffalo was telling them when they went for that field goal. <laughs> like, I wish I was on the headset listening to that. Like, what the fuck is Sean doing? <laughs> <laughs> but um, to to quote Sean McDermott, uh, let's not give more credit than we need to give Bill Belichick on this one. He ran the ball 46 times. So, <laughs> um, fuck him. You couldn't Moving stop forward. it, man. They couldn't stop it. <laughs> ran the and look, it was crazy about it too. Was he just ran the same play like eight times in a row? Like he was like, "All right, do it left. Now do it right. Do it left." And there was just eight eight yard gashes every single time. And so, they busted yeah. one. And they busted one early yeah, too. That's Harris the thing. The I thought I, I thought they were. I thought they might bust one late. You know, you think they always could. He busted one early. I think he busted one in the first quarter. Yeah, he cut back on a on a basic on a regular sweep. A sweep from like. Out of Vince Lombardi's playbook from 1964, <laughs> my man, my man's Belichick was running Ted and Tummy all night. Yeah. All <laughs> Halfback dive. That's it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh man, some so uh, a lot of us are heading. I don't know about you guys, but I'm I'm hitting fantasy playoffs. Well, I'm not in the fantasy playoffs this year, but anyways, uh, fantasy playoffs time is creeping up. And just wanted to do a quick injury update on uh, on some of the some of the going ons in the league. Uh, Logan Thomas for the Washington Football Team just got back. He is now out again with a severe MCL PCL sprain as of now. Lauren, am I getting that right? Yes, 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 yes. Okay, cool. The, uh, no, not an ACL tear. Uh, MRI confirmed, but they're still doing tests. Something. So, so his, he's de- probably he's definitely out the next game. So if you have him on your lineup, uh, you might want to go dumpster diving for another tight end. Uh, not a whole lot of prospects out there. Uh, Kenyon Drake, the number two running back for the Las Vegas Raiders, broke his ankle uh, against Washington. Uh, That's what happens when you try to run against Washington. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, however, is confirmed out for the year. He is getting hip surgery. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, if you are Ryan Fitzpatrick's age and you've played for half the NFL, please don't go down any water slides. Uh, Corey Davis... (laughs) (laughs) Corey Davis for the New York Jets, our prized wide receiver free agent signing, is out for the year with an abdominal tear. I guess uh, when you're playing for a team, as sorry for the Jets, you will come up with any excuse not to get on the field. Keenan Allen, wide receiver one on my fantasy team, heard that he's on my fantasy team and decided to catch COVID. Um, (laughs) That's just my luck. Speaking of bad luck, Marlon Humphrey for the Baltimore Ravens is out with shoulder surgery. I heard they found Kurt Warner out uh, bagging groceries again, and he will start at quarterback for the Baltimore Ravens. <laughs> and Adam Thielen is out with a high ankle sprain. Uh, he decided to go for a high ankle sprain because that's all he does is uh, get high touchdown numbers and just ball out, but not this week. 
Sorry, well, guys. It was at, it was it was during the loss to the Detroit Lions. So uh, yeah. Oh, yo, shout out to the Lions! Shout out to the Lions, bro! Finally got that done, guys. You got through. Congrats. Um, <laughs> uh, I guess I guess uh, should I mean I kind of I kind of feel like we should do something for the Lions at this point. So uh, we'll pretend to to be buzzers real quick and just like. Congrats, Lions! That's all we got for you here at the Goji Podcast. Guys. Yeah, you did it. Go also, you they dedicated their victory to the victims of the uh, shooting, the school shooting that happened this past week. So that you know, good for the, good for you guys. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That was a class stuff. act by Dan Campbell. I will give yep. that. Yep. Uh, all right. Now to the bread and bread and butter of the of the segment here. How do how, how do you guys feel about that uh, Washington game? Uh, going to Las Vegas, handing them hit, hell. Eric, let me hit the buzzer. I'm gonna hit the hit the horns on them one time. Got that dub. Got that dub, man. Uh, It was it was terrifyingly scary. I had a lot of moments (laughs) where where, um, my heart stopped, and I fell onto the floor, and AJ had to revive me. Um, And so there were there there are millions of those moments. A lot of intercepted passes or pick sixes that were just went right through DB's hands late in the game. Um, But uh, good teams find yeah exactly. Good good teams find a way to win, and we managed to do it. Um, We figured out our identity. I think our identity is pretty pretty clear which is why i'm scared if we play dallas it's if it turns into a shootout we're in some hot water but uh as seeing as we lost logan it was great to see logan thomas back i was super pumped i was so happy and then to lose him again just stinks he, he instantly makes an impact right first game back instantly catches a touchdown on one-handed you know catch our offense looked you know it, you know we were moving the ball well and then um and then we looked a little there they the, looked a little stagnant after that but we managed to scrap and claw and get the win you know we were, we're rolling here um, we moved up in the playoff rankings, which is also awesome because certain teams lose, lost. I mean, excuse me. Um, so, no, it was a, uh, it was fun. It was good. It was a good game. AJ, what'd you think? Yeah, I mean, I think the Washington football team is on a four win, uh, four, uh, four game winning streak, and I think, in that's due in large part to a couple of factors. One of which is the team's commitment to the running game. I think what you're seeing a lot with that offensive stagnation is Scott Turner sort of outthinking himself and getting away from running running the ball on first down in particular. Um, when you're getting you know five and six yard chunks, I don't think it's it's useful to to drop back and you know or or to come out and shotgun on first down. Um, so if you can if you're listening, Scott, uh, stick with that run game, put the ball in the young man's uh, Antonio Gibson's hands, um, and uh, you know. Let's if you know, let him be the workhorse that we that we've seen he him he can be in the past couple of games. Um, you know, I also think that uh, one of the outstanding things for the past couple of weeks has been Taylor Heineke uh, and his play. Um, even even when the team's not really moving the ball that well, he's making the right reads. He's throwing the ball to the right people, and uh, also he's protecting the football. Not a whole lot of interceptions there. He does have an odd you know every every now and again he has the odd play where he throws you throw the ball he throws the ball up and you're sort of baffled as to what's going on. Uh, but for the most part, he's done a good job protecting, uh, protecting the football. Uh, and also just his circus magician ability to escape the pocket uh, in the most random situations that where it just looks like every, the, you know, the whole offensive line is just collapsing on him uh, is, is just astounding. And, um, and uh, man, uh, it's just, you know, even though, you know, the, the magician play that happened in this particular game ended in a complete incomplete pass, it was so exciting to watch. Uh, and he hit his man in the hands. Just Logan Thomas just couldn't come down with it. Uh, so it was um, it was a great game to watch. I really enjoyed it. Uh, shout out to Brian Johnson, the kicker we brought in off the street this week. 
uh, who uh, is local, uh, is from Bethesda. So, you know, Moco, uh, Moco kid. Uh, so congrats to him for kicking the game winning field goal. Um, and uh, man, it, it's, it's, it's bizarre to see, to watch the Washington football team win four games in a row after the past couple of seasons we've had. Um, but uh, I'm going to enjoy every second of it as it comes. Hopefully we can uh, take a win off Dallas this week. I will not lie to you. Uh, I did not watch a single uh, second of that game. I, like I had mentioned, I had turned off the TV uh, <laughs> pretty early on in the day, but I was super excited to see you guys get the win. I, I know it's like playing at a huge new stadium like they have in Vegas and like coming out with a dub. Um, yeah, super pumped for you guys. And, and the hits keep on really rolling. Heineke's playing out of his mind right now. I think I saw somewhere like in the past four games he's like second only to justin herbert in terms of like qb rating so um excited to see what he can do like i kind of hope that you guys ride with him into next season like maybe draft like a quarterback that's like in the second or third round or something but really give him a chance to play a full season and and give him control of the offense and see um if you can't bring in somebody like chris Olave or garrett wilson in the first round or something like that to help you know develop him and be like teammates, you know, line up next to, to Terry or bolster that offensive line or something. But yeah, um, I had turned, I had to turn off the game because, like, like Lauren was alluding to, we, the Jets had a surprisingly good offensive first half. Zach Wilson did some good things. Um, we scored on like three possessions in a row, which was like absolutely insane. Uh, Lafleur's really in his bag. Elijah Moore's an absolute fucking stud. Uh, I can't get enough of the kid. Every time he catches the ball, I have to say his last name. Um, Wilson was man; that kid was decisive. There was some real zip on the ball. Sometimes he he was throwing he was throwing high a lot, um, I, and I kind of feel like that was him. Just he's I think he's working through some mechanics because um, they were like on a tweet that I saw. They were highlighting how like a lot of his footwork he has to work on, um, and I think even some of the, his delivery they're working on making it like a quicker release. Um, so I think part of that played into him not like getting the ball exactly where he wanted to be. Um, his interception in the second half though was absolutely atrocious. Overthrew that thing by a mile. Like he he couldn't even hit the broad side of a barn. It was really bad. Um, however, what really like what really threw me off and like grinded my gears about the game was Jeff Ulbrich leading up to the game was like in a press conference he said, "Oh yeah, our defense it's coming." Bitch, where? It, it it did not come to MetLife Stadium. I'll tell you, I, you must have gotten redirected or something because that defense was not there. Uh, we made <laughs> we made uh we made them look like the fucking we, we made them look like the Indianapolis Colts. They might as well have been Jonathan Taylor running against us, like legitimately. We could not make a tackle. C.J. Mosley was all over the place. He had a stupid offsides penalty on a fourth down, even though. Uh, their center did move, but, you know, fuck the officiating this year anyways. Um, I was surprised Robert Sala did not get ejected as a head coach because he was laying into the refs, which he should have been. Uh, I might have have had to see, like, a referee outside in the parking lot if I was the head coach. A lot of drops. I think Wilson had, like, six total drops in the game. Um, Corey Davis dropped the ball and then, like, then then he's got an abdominal tear. Like, get the fuck out of here, bro. Um, <laughs> I don't know, man. It's uh, Our defense is just really shitty. And a lot of it has to do with lack of talent on the defense. I mean, 
other than CJ Mosley, we don't really have a good, I mean, Quincy, Quincy Williams was a great find, uh, but our outside, I can't even name our starting outside linebackers at this point. Don't even know who they are. Uh, our defensive line, we had zero pass rush and that's not on Quinn and Williams or even John Franklin Myers. Like, <laughs> they're literally getting double teamed and then the other two guys are no name. Like I can't even name our edges. Can't name them. Don't know who they are. It, it might as well be you and you and Lauren, AJ. Might as well be you guys. Yeah, <laughs> you guys I, might get... My pass rush is uh, definitely subpar if there's contact being made. So You, you probably would have done better. <laughs> both of you. you. You both probably would have gotten a sack. Genuinely. It's really bad. Um, Bryce Hall got called on like a Bullshit offense, uh, defensive pass interference. The kid's a stud. Um, can't be too mad at him. Ashton Davis and um, I don't even know who the other fucking safety is. Elijah something. They they're like subpar. I mean, they're not Cam Curl. So yeah, our defense is a complete overhaul. But um, I, I was really happy to see what Wilson was doing. Um, I labeled him a bust last week. Uh, I'll say that the bust meter has gone down probably like 20%. Uh, so it's at a solid 70% bust factor right now. Um, <laughs> the, uh, progress is progress. So I'm happy to see that. I just, I hate to watch our defense get absolutely mauled. So that's all I got to say. You guys, I, mean, I, think, I think Zach Wilson has looked good these past couple weeks. And I think probably like if you're seeing him sail the ball a little bit more, it's probably just because he was, was so used to getting popped in the, in the first, uh, part of the season because the offensive line was playing so badly like he he probably is not sure he can trust himself he can't set his feet and throw the ball down the field so i think you'll see it improve as as as, you know as long as the offensive line holds up yeah we're really missing makai back then right now too well i wouldn't say that actually because george fant has done a good job but i feel like you know makai back is like a huge human being and he's a great left tackle so we'll see um moving forward though Looking towards week 13, you guys alluded to it. I'm excited for it. Washington versus Dallas, the old rivalry. Um, <laughs> I, I genuinely feel so writing again on what AJ talks about, like in division games. I genuinely don't know what to expect this game. It's, I think it really depends on how your defense comes out and sets the tone. Um, I went with y'all last week. I, I got to go with y'all this week. I think I think you guys surprise everybody, get a surprise dub, make a statement, and and kind of stamp your way into the playoffs. Um, but yeah, uh, Lauren, how do you feel about this game, man? Um, I think Dallas is going to beat us. Uh, that's just because I've been picking against us and we've been winning. So I'm going to probably keep that trend. I'm okay with being wrong, uh, as long as we keep winning. Um. But yeah, no, I think Dallas beats us. I think Dallas is, is going to check that game tape of our, our linebackers getting uh, diving at legs, just moment being too big for them, missing tackles all day yesterday, Cole Holcomb getting dusted. Uh, and I think their offense is just going to exploit that. Um, and I think they're, I think they're going to beat us. I think a healthy, a healthy, um, looks like I think CeeDee Lamb's coming back and I think, uh, uh, Cooper's coming back as well, and then they've got the they've got a Tony Pollard back there with Zeke. I think the I think their offense. If we can't control, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. It's gonna be who scores first, right? Like I think if we can, obviously we go on these long ten minute, seven ten minute drives and score a touchdown, you know, keep their offense off the field. But I think their offense is just gonna be too much, and I think they're gonna. Um, I don't think we'll be as ball dominated against this team as we should be, as as we have been, and I think they get the win here. I, uh, so 
Uh, I just don't – I don't know. Uh, it's, uh, we'll see what happens with injuries. McKissick looks like he's still questionable. Landon Collins looks like he's questionable. We have a healthy team. Maybe we like a, we get Landon Collins back. We get McKissick back. Maybe we have a shot. But I'm still leaning Dallas's way for this game. Bro, you 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 slicing up that defensive play too much, bro. You doing too much. We had they, the other what? Team, the other team scored 15 points, my guy. And yeah. that's that's league leading uh, in terms of yardage. Uh, Derek Carr, uh, who went two for eight on third downs in that game. We so, missed a lot of tackles. Damn. And Cole Look, Holcomb got ran by a lot. I will say, I will say that. Uh, okay, first of all, Cole Holcomb had two extremely good pass breakups in coverage. So, and in coverage against some of the most athletic players in the other t- uh, team uh, on the Raiders. And then in addition to that, uh, we were missing a lot of initial tackles. That's true, up, up near the line of scrimmage. But that's only because our strategy dictated playing back and far enough to take away explosive plays from the Raiders, which is what they've been doing all year, uh, in particular with um, with uh, Darren Waller, who, who happened to be out that game, um, which probably helped us uh, quite a bit. With Dallas, I think you're going to see, uh, you know, they don't want to use their, they don't necessarily want to use their tight ends to beat you up the field the way that the Raiders do. You, you're seeing that what you see with them is you, it's it's the wide receivers that uh, they they challenge to beat you with, um, and it's it is going to be interesting to see how our secondary holds up against the likes of Cooper, uh, Gallup, and um, and a, and a, you know now that they've got CD Lamb back, I don't I don't know what strategy I think we saw last week. I forget who Dallas played last week, but if I think what you saw last week was that the um, the other team doubled CD Lamb the whole game because they knew they didn't or no they doubled somebody maybe it was Cooper they doubled one of the receivers and challenged the the other receiver to beat them um, and I think that that strategy kind of goes out the window when you have a trio as good as Gallup Cooper and uh, CD Lamb you can't cut you can't double just one of them and you know it, it, it's gonna it's gonna come back to affect you I think it's gonna depend on how uh, how much our defensive line can disrupt Dak Prescott um, and whether or not Scott Turner decides to commit himself fully to the running game um, and beating Dallas in that way because I think Dallas knows that so they're going to go out there and and be prepared to to stop the run um, you know and then of course you have you have the question of wh- you know how well does Heineke play um, those are all factors uh, overall I think that this Dallas uh, this Dallas Cowboys team doesn't quite have a has an identity an identity the way that the Washington football team does ultimately I think that hurts them I'm going Washington football team but what's also something worth pointing out is even even with Chase Young and Montez Suez out right your defensive line still seems to be pretty like consistent and showing up um, and that Cowboys offensive line is in shambles um, it's it's not looking too good and you can tell in the way that Dak feels pressure sometimes or that's not even there um, so I don't know I, I think you guys have a chance um, I got I got to go with y'all this week. Um, Maybe Jack uh, De- Jack Del Rio is who I was trying to say draws up some more of those fancy blitzes, and if Landon Collins is back, you might it, you know we might be blitzing, might be sending sending a lot more than just four guys. Yeah, yeah. I was listening to Ron talk about Chase and Sweat being out, and someone asked him why um why does it seem like the defense is playing better? He said, well, they were chipping. They said they were keeping guys back. He said when they had Ch- Sweat and um Chase Young lined up, they were getting doubled or chipped every single time. They were out there. He said the team stopped doing that, and they team stopped. They stopped feeling like they had to get the ball out of their hands so fast. So um, it's a big reason Jack's kind of like uh, mixed up his blitzes and mixed up looks, and kind of like the defense looks a little bit different. But anyway, that's what that was a little insight into that. What Ron was saying this morning about the defense and its improvement. But I think Dallas. I, don't, I just think 
I think they come in and I think they get us. But that's just that's just me. I think we get them. I think we get them after. I think we get them the next game. But I think this one, this one, they're going to take. There you go. Well, someone's always got to pick against y'all, and every time Lauren's done, you guys have gotten a dub. So here we go. We'll see. We'll see if it uh, if it sticks. I'm true. okay with being wrong. I'm okay with being wrong. I can live with that. <laughs> there you go. Uh, next up is the New York Jets. Ugh against the uh, New Orleans Saints. Uh look, we we can't even stop uh we can't we can't we can't even stop whoever we played against last week. Uh I don't think we have a chance against Alvin Kamara uh who will be back this week. Um or Mark Ingram for that matter. I don't I don't think we can stop either one of them. Um and if Taysom Hill is playing quarterback, oh no, wait, no. He's he's got like a broken finger. Never mind. Um yeah, he's got uh, – Taysom Hill has the same injury that uh, – or like a similar injury to what Russell Wilson has. I don't know if he's going to play or not, but from what I read, like um, it's like a pretty bad break or even ligament damage. I, I got to go back and look for it. But either way, I don't think our defense is going to show up yet again. Um, they're on their way somewhere. It, wherever it is, it's definitely not to play on Sunday. Um, so, so I think we're going to take an L here. Uh, Plus, Sean Payton's a great coach, so uh, he's probably going to run circles around first-time coach Robert Sala, who's just – he's got to get – you know, he's getting his feet wet for the first time. So, um, AJ, what you, who you got? Who plays quarterback if Taysom Hill is injured? Uh, Simeon, I believe. Trevor Simeon. Trevor I Simeon? So. Yeah, it's the stand-in. I'm going to go with the Jets on this one. I don't trust Trevor Simeon to, to do anything. And it's true, if, if Alvin Kamara's back, I, I, you know, you always kind of expect him to have a big game. But, I mean, who are the, who are the, the Saints' offensive weapons besides Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram? And Mark uh, Ingram and, and Alvin Kamara play the same position, so they can't both be out there at the same time all the time. So they have, they have um, two deep threats. They have one in Deontay Harris and one in Marquez Callaway. Who? Um, <laughs> They both are pretty consistent and like solid contributors. Um, I'm sure they are solid contributors. If I was if I was a starting NFL wide receiver, I'd be a solid contributor too. But that don't make me a threat. <laughs> oh, just just a quick update. Uh, Taysom Hill's dealing with mallet finger. It's what it's called, mallet um, finger. But he doesn't need surgery, so he he might actually play this week. Um, All right. Well, if if Taysom Hill is not playing, then I do, I definitely go. I'm definitely going with the Jets. I don't trust the Saints team. Uh, they have not been consistent this year even with Alvin Kamara um and I think I think this was one of those it's just like uh what's that other game that uh somebody got injured and then I said you guys might have a chance when you guys beat the Titans same thing I think I I think this really gives it limits what the Saints have available to them especially if Taysom Hill is out uh so yeah I'm going with the Jets so let's see it looks like the game's been playing at getting played at MetLife it's a one o'clock uh, kickoff on CBS. The Jets are the underdogs by uh, five. Uh, so the Saints are uh, minus five. The money line's 230 for the Saints, plus 190 for the Jets over unders 43. I'm probably taking the under in this. If anything, I'm, I'm hammering that under. Um, I think that I just think the. I think the Saints, if, if Trevor Simeon's starting, um, I think they just stick to the run game, kind of like we saw the other night with the Bills. Uh, you know, I think I think screen passes to Kamara, out. Uh, um, or uh, dumping it off to Kamara, let him make, making moves in space, or spending sending Mark Ingram up the middle. 
Uh, I think that's kind of, I think the Saints get this one. I think they do just enough. Um, and it's not anything like the, I feel like the Jets might have a solid performance kind of in the first half like they did, but just, you know, if Zach Wilson keeps, you know, sailing, sailing balls over guys' heads or throwing interceptions, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard to, uh, you know, even Trevor Simeon might not be that great, but if he gets the ball at the 30, you know, or the 50 every time, or, you know, short fields every single time that you could probably net at least a field goal. So, um, We'll see, but I think I, I got the uh, I've got the Saints beating the Jets in this one. Funny little uh, stat: Miles Sanders has a whole ton of carries this this year. I, I'll try and pull up the stats real quick, but Miles Sanders has all these carries, and uh, he has yet to score a touchdown on the year. Did you guys know that? <laughs> I did not know that. I had no idea. He has 112 attempts, 578 yards on the season. <laughs> Zero touchdowns. Shay, this is for you. Shay has him on his fantasy team. My brother, my brother has him. <laughs> that on his has to be. In his defense, he was injured for a little while earlier in the season. But my guy, you have over a hundred attempts. <laughs> you can't get into the end zone. Come on, bro. And he torched the Jets for over 120 yards. So. Yo, Miles, Miles, but Miles Sanders. I think he, he. I feel like he's a victim of of hating hateful coaching, though. <laughs> Like my man was like to elaborate on this. My man's was because he was chewing up yards like at the beginning of the season, but then the Eagles would like get down by like fifteen points or whatever, and they just stop him and the ball, even though he was their most effective offensive player. So like, <laughs> so he he just and then like for week for like a couple of weeks they weren't even it was that wasn't even part of the problem. Like they were getting chunks of yardage off his every carry, and then they just stopped giving him the ball for some reason, which like blew the gasket for all of my Philly uh, Philly fans uh, friends. So I think like I think like he's just sort of been a victim of like just just some haterade for real. Like I don't understand why you won't get your running back a touchdown, man. <laughs> like well, like, I wonder how much of it is is uh, Jalen Hurts. So, Jalen Hurts stealing those rushing touchdowns. I wonder how much of that is right. Facts. Like that's true. like being on a team yeah. with Cam Newton almost right, being the running back right. Like he's yep. when you get down to that goal line area, you know, and that offensive line is some hot garbage like it is. You know, they send guys and he has to scramble. He so he'll take off and run it in instead of uh, instead of handing I, it off. I will say this about Jalen Hurts: he is uh, he is he pulls the ball down and runs too much, and uh, sometimes he's able to improvise himself out of that stuff. And other times he really can't. And that, that depends that the way that that the needle goes on that determines whether or not the Eagles are going to are going to be able to win games. So I think you're absolutely right, Lauren, about, you know, Jalen Hurts pulling the ball down uh, and scoring touchdowns also because and take it away from poor Miles Sanders. Cause I feel like if he, cause, cause, cause it's, it's almost like they say similar with Lamar and he's terrified of his, he eventually as the season goes on is he knows he's going to get hit at some point or his offensive line isn't helping him. So he'll look downfield and then if he's not see a reader too, and they'll take off, you know, upfield. So then he takes off and maybe can burst it for a touchdown or get in the end zone. So what's the point of having, you know, fourth and fourth and one or go or uh, one yard to go. He's not going to do that. He's just going to get in. He's probably going to get in there. So speaking about Lamar, this week, uh, the Ravens take on the Browns. Uh, I am absolutely befuddled by the fact that the Ravens lost to the Steelers. Um, he's playing against a fucking tree. injuries, but yeah, those injuries are uh, definitely the tr- the injuries are piling up. I think, I think it showed most because like Lamar was getting constant pressure in his face, um, and I think that goes to show that like missing both your starting offensive tackles and an offensive guard makes a huge difference, but. Um, I honestly, this week, I got to go with the Browns. I think between the new injury on Marlon Humphreys and 
Lamar clearly showing some wear and tear in the season, having to carry an entire offense on his back. I think the Browns do enough to pull out a win. I think it's going to be close, but I think the Browns take the dub here. Uh, AJ, what are you thinking? Yeah, you know, I think um, I think the Browns could be in for a big game here, especially with Marlon Humphreys now being done for the season. Uh, what this is, and the Ravens' defensive play style—they play a lot of man coverage, uh, and you know it's going to hurt you if you're missing your star corner, both of your star cornerbacks now uh, for the out for, are out for the season. I I just don't know that um, you know. I, I I think you have to look to uh, Jarvis Landry to have a big game, basically. Um, and, uh, you'll, you'll see Jarvis Landry and, and, and Joku having, having big games or could, could, they could have a big game. Uh, that being said, I hate, I kind of, I don't hate Baker Mayfield, but he's definitely on my Kirk Cousins list of terrible quarterbacks that shouldn't be starting in the NFL. Uh, and so, or not, okay, that's, that's too harsh. Kirk, Kirk definitely should be starting the NFL, but Baker and probably should, so should Baker, but I don't have any faith in him. He makes bad reads. He doesn't know how to read a defense, and uh, and I just don't trust him that much in throwing the ball. The Browns have not been able to get their running game going in the past couple of weeks, and it's really, really hurt them. Um, and so, I, I, look, in Lamar we trust. The man, uh, as long as you've got Lamar uh, Jackson on the field, you've got a shot at winning football games. I'm going with the Ravens for my pick, uh, even though my head tells me that they may not be able to pull this one out. Real quick, real quick, Lauren. Before <laughs> AJ, <laughs> you're running a two minute drill. You're down by a touchdown. You got Kirk Cousins or Baker Mayfield. Oh my God! As your, as your quarterback, who are you taking? Who are you taking? Who's, who's my receipt? Like, who, what's my set of receiving receivers? You've got Randy Moss, Jerry Rice, and uh, George Mark, Kittle. Yeah, George Kittle. Boom. Okay, all things being equal, I'm I'm going Kirk Cousins on that. <laughs> yeah, because I knew he was going Kirk Cousins because he didn't ask who was his running back. He didn't ask what yeah. the running game was. He knew if they had an offensive line in the running game. He said it's a two-minute drill. You're not going to be running the ball. Right, exactly. I'm being sarcastic, but yeah. No, that makes sense. Lauren, who are you thinking? So the um, the Ravens are the dogs here. They're, that's uh, by plus three. Their money line for them is uh, – oh, uh, 115 money line for the uh, Browns is minus 135 over under is 42. It's going the game's a one o'clock game on CBS in Cleveland. Um, you know, I was listening to each of your arguments uh, about both of these teams, and it's interesting because I, I, the this morning I was um, one of the guys I listened to on the radio is a huge Ravens fan, and he was telling, and he's been saying how they've been razor thin at cornerback just anyway, and they just lost another one. The reason they went for two instead of kicking a field goal was because they were so injured and they were so hurt. And I think that um, – I just think the Browns do enough. I'm kind of leaning Cleveland's way right now. And and, and not that uh, I don't have faith in Lamar and then he can't get it done because I definitely – it's like a 50-50 game for me right now. My 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 fear – or not my fear. My thinking is that the, injured, the Ravens are so banged up, they've got to pull, either pull practice guys or guys off the street, get them ready for Sunday, get their ducks in order compared to the compared to Cleveland – who you know? I think they're coming off a bye, uh, and they are uh, they're rested. Baker might not. Baker looks suspect trying to play with his his shoulder, but I think overall they can do enough and beat up on a Baltimore team right now. And maybe maybe Lamar does enough and beats him, and Baker you know they come out and lay an egg. But I think that the I think the Raven I think the the Browns can do enough and are healthy enough that they that they are able to to beat Cleveland or beat the uh, Baltimore Ravens here. I just think like I said, they were razor thin at cornerback to begin with. Um, uh, Cleveland's coming off a bye, healthy. 
Um, I think they're so I just think that they they've got more pieces. They've got more pieces and they scratch out an ugly one. Lamar, like you said, Lamar's what missing two two uh tackles and a guard. You know, he's he's uh been all over the place these past two games. I just think Cleveland does enough. I think Cleveland comes in and does enough to get the win. So I you know, it's Lamar to me, to me, this entire year has been Lamar to the left, Lamar to the right. Lamar up the middle, and he's just taking too many hits. If Lamar could catch the ball, I bet you he'd be leading them in receiving yards. You know, he's leading them in rushing yards. If he could catch, I'm sure he'd be leading them in receiving. So, you know, at some point, what's got to give? I was telling AJ that if he's not throwing to Brown, Hollywood Brown, or he's throwing to Andrews, and if either one of them aren't open, you know, it's kind of like he's running for his dear life or he's scrambling the whole game. So, yeah, I've got I've got Cleveland in this just based on the fact that the Ravens are all beat up. A healthy Ravens team, I think, beats them beats this Browns team. Um, but now that you lost another cornerback and you're and on, um, you got you've got a week to prepare. I just don't think that I don't think that's enough time. So Cleveland. There you go. AJ's convinced that Baker Mayfield is playing himself out of Cleveland. I, I yes, I think he's trash. Honestly, <laughs> like he's just not good. That's fair. And it's funny because, like, I've said that before, just having watched him play myself, like, with my own eyes. Mm-hmm. But, like, if you take a look at the tape, you know, it's not hard to, to diagnose this. I mean, look, take OBJ, for example, right? Was trapped in Cleveland for all those years uh, with Baker Mayfield under center. Uh, has one touchdown for the entire year. Uh, and then since then, Baker Mayfield has thrown one – since he left – Baker Mayfield has thrown one touchdown pass and OBJ has two already in, in LA. I mean, if how do you how do you be an NFL quarterback and not throw the ball to OBJ at all? Like, come on. Garbage. Terrible. Next week, stay tuned, guys. Next week we're gonna have uh, OBJ's father on the podcast to explain this very question. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Baker Mayfield is one of those quarterbacks that's like average but he's like on the he's like on the good side of average like you know he's like he's like at a solid 77 percent, and everybody else is playing at like a 75 but that 77 makes you believe he's good enough because like right above him is like ryan Tannehill, who's playing like a 79 <laughs> yeah but see i don't even give him 70 i don't think he's on the good side of average though in my opinion because like the the, the if you think about it the cleveland browns offense is really predicated on that run game that run game is super strong then you know you're you're straight up like it's like uh, like uh, just to take the example that you raised earlier right Kirk Cousins versus Baker Mayfield right the reason why I put, I would take Kirk Cousins over Baker Mayfield is if I don't have a running game I can still rely on Kirk Cousins to throw touchdown passes but with Baker Mayfield I can't I really can't I don't I don't know I don't know that I feel good with him with him having the ball in his hands down with the game on the line just because. I don't think he knows how to lead an offense down the field to score based on only on his arm alone. I think he really needs the threat of uh, of a Nick Chubb, of a Kareem Hunt, in order to create, open up the defense and make it vulnerable to play action, the play action game, which I think is where he probably gets most of his his passing yards to begin with. Because I know he can't read a defense. I can tell you that. I think he's also he he's also got the benefit of having like one of the top three offensive lines in the NFL. So there's that. Speaking of OBJ and his father, <laughs> uh, another matchup that we're really interested in: Rams, Lawrence Rams versus my Cardinals rematch, game number two. Uh, Cardinals took the first matchup, uh, stunning the, the Rams at that time. I think they went on a losing streak after after taking the L to the Cardinals' hands. Um, I think I think this time 
I think I think with OBJ in there, um, I think they 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 might they might pull this one out. I think it might be a closer game than we ex- expect. Um, I might go with the under on this one, but I kind of feel like that Rams defense, especially with the addition of uh, Von Miller now, uh, might find a way to get into uh, Kyler Murray's face. So you can't you can't you can't triple team Aaron Donald anymore. So good luck double teaming him because that man is a monster. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm I'm actually gonna go with the Rams here on this one as much as as much as I'm pulling for the Cardinals. But uh, Lauren, Rams. yeah, you already know who I got. Uh, I got the Rams. I got the Rams taking it. I think it's hard to beat a team twice in the NFL. Uh, so I think I got the I, I've got the uh, Rams rolling in there with that defense and beating Kyler beating Kyler in the uh, uh, the. Cardinals. The game's on Monday night. It's a Monday night football. It's a Monday night matchup. It's going to be a great game, is my assumption. The Cardinals are the favorite by three. Uh, the money lines for the Cardinals is minus one thirty-five. Rams is plus one fifteen. Over under fifty-two. Eric might be kind of right, low key, that it might be kind of low score. It might might not might be kind of low scoring because usually games that they tend to predict are going to be like super high, tend to like be right below it. So um, I don't know. He he might be right about that, but I think I think uh, the Rams get the I think the Rams get the win here. It'll be interesting to see though with DeAndre Hopkins back um, that matchup uh, with Ramsey and things like that, and how that defense matches up with them because uh, he's a lot of fun and he's also really good at football. So that it'll just be a fun matchup. But I've got the Rams. I've got the Rams taking it. What about you, AJ? Uh, somebody do me a favor and and tell me what the uh, Rams defensive rank is in the uh, in the NFL right now uh, in terms of total defense. Uh, you could break it down to running, rushing versus passing too. I'm, and I actually don't know what the answer is. So I legit would like to, I would like to know. Um, but the, uh, what I will say about this game is that you guys are overthinking things way too much. You've got the nine and two uh, Cardinals going up against what? What are the Rams? Seven and four, like, and they've lost like three, so. three or four straight. You know, pro- like, nah, nah. Y'all, y'all thinking too much. I'm going with the Cardinals. <laughs> Wow. Okay, with the Cardinals. I mean, I can't be too mad at that. I mean, look, they've they've got a street. They've and here's the thing about the, here's the reason why the Cardinals are nine and two. It's because they're dominant. They're do, they have a dominant defense. Their offense, obviously, everyone already knew you couldn't you weren't going to be able to stop that offense. It's it, it, like, but the defense itself has been outstanding uh, this season. So you know, I think just the rule of having a more complete football team makes the Cardinals uh, an easy call here. I don't necessarily know the game's going to be easy. I'm not saying it's going to be a blowout or anything like that. Uh, but, I mean, why would you pick against the 9-2 Cardinals? So, interestingly enough, the Rams are kind of middle of the pack in terms of defense, it looks like. What do we got? Uh, let's see. I don't know why this is not organized appropriately. Okay, here we go. Uh, the Rams are... It looks like they're somewhere like in the in the teens, like twelfth or something like that. Mm-hmm. Not what uh, you expect from a defense that has Aaron Donald, Vaughn Miller, and Jalen Ramsey all on the same side of the ball. I mean, a, I just—that's their pass defense. How about their run defense? Yeah, they're fifteen in pass, and then on on uh, on the their run defense. Let's see, they are—they're actually. So they're seventh in rush defense. I, I will mm-hmm. give them that. All right. So it sounds like the rush defense is pretty good, but uh, that's to be that, expected with the, with the Arizona Cardinals. It's that passing attack you got to go up against, and ah, uh, twelfth uh, is probably not going to cut it. But uh, I don't know. Taking the Cardinals in this one, guys are overthinking okay. things. 
I think this is going to be a great game, honestly. Like that's one of those games that I'm actually we should we I should I should go hang out with you guys and watch this game with you and just Yeah, that'll be a good one. Uh, I yeah. think it'll be good no, too. No, it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, I feel like this is going to be a great game to watch. Especially with McVay's probably like fuming at a chance to get back at Cliff Kingsbury. So, um last game on the docket that we're going to go on before Lawrence crazy minute is uh the good old Bills versus the Buccaneers. Uh this game kind of has some huge playoff implications for the Bills because if they lose and the Colts win or um, even the Steelers get a win, they drop out of the playoffs, which is a big deal. Uh, for the Bucks. I believe, it affects their seeding more so than anything because they have a stranglehold on that AFC South at the moment. Um, so barring, them pl- barring the Bills playing in 55 miles per hour win games again and going for field goals, I, I still don't get that. Um, I think I think this is one of those get right games for uh, for the Bills. Sean McDermott and his coaching staff. Um, I feel like after his first year in Buffalo, he kind of got the blueprint to beat Tom Brady. Um, so I think I think he just goes into his old bag of tricks and and seals out like clinches a win here to stop the Bills from floundering and like bleeding out. Um, I think Josh Allen's going to have a dominant game. I think Brady's also going to torch him. Uh, but I think, I think the Bills get one here, like a three-point win. So, uh, AJ, who you got? I'm going Brady on this one. Uh, I think, uh, you know, and not to knock the Bills or anything like that. They've got, they've, you know, they, 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 they do what they have to, but I think Brady's got too many weapons. Um, I think the Bills, you know, the, key, the keys to beating Tom Brady have been the same for 25 years. It's, it's get to him. If you can, if you can harass him, then you can win. Um, I don't know that the Bills defensive front has what it takes to do that, but we'll see. Um, and, uh, you know, I give the edge to, to Brady and the Bucks on this one. Um, but uh, I think you're right, Eric. I mean, the Bills could sneak one in here and as part of a get-right game, you know. I could see it, but I, I'm going with the Bucks. Yeah, I, I'm going with Tampa Bay as well. Um, Tampa Bay's the favorite by minus three. Uh, the money line's minus 170 for them, plus 145 for the Bills. 52, uh, 52 and a half is the over-under. Um uh, and it's a four twenty. It's a four twenty five game on CBS. Uh, the weather's supposed to be seventy five degrees uh, out there in Tampa. It's a home game for Tom. I think Tom. I was reading today some stat that Tom Brady's like thirty four, whatever, and like twelve against Buffalo. Like he's just had their number since he's entered the league, or how many ever games? Some ridiculous amount. I think he just rolls in there and they beat him. Um, like AJ alluded to, too many weapons. Watching the highlights of the Atlanta game, just Rob Gronkowski getting open, or you know. Um, who, who I was, who, I was going to say Mike, Mike Evans. Evans. It wasn't Mike Evans. It was Chris Godwin. Mike Evans is out. Uh, uh, Chris Godwin getting open. Leonard Fournette running the ball. I think they just – Tom Brady's just too surgical still. Um, I think – and it's a it's going to be a perfect day for him. I think they roll down there and they get this win. Um, I think the Bills put up a fight, and I think it looks better than, you know, last night's game. They throw, throw for a couple hundred yards – or they throw for, you know, a lot more. But um, I think Tom Brady just – they Tom Brady's in, in, time, in December mode, and I think he just – I think he just goes to work. There you go. Guys aren't betting against the GOAT. I don't blame you. Tom Brady's on an absolute tear right now. I think he's leading the NFL in passing yards, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, so, uh, he's, yeah, that or he's number two. I think Derek Carr was maybe until last game, maybe until last week. I mean, he may yeah. have he may have jumped him. I think Tom Brady did did jump him, if I'm not mistaken. I, either way, I mean, Tom Brady's on a fucking storm right now, too. So, um, it'll. I, I, I feel like this is another good game. Uh, the Bills... Might come out of come out into this one with a little bit more heat under their under their seat after taking the L to the Patriots. 
Um, but hey, Mike Evans isn't out. No, Mike no, Evans Mike, isn't out. No, no, Who? Antonio Brown is out. Yeah, I know Antonio Brown is out, but I thought yeah. I saw Mike Evans got suspended as well. Did he no, not? No, no, Mike Edwards. No. The yeah, Mike, Mike Edwards. The safety, oh, yeah. oops. Uh, oops. just brought to my attention. Uh, there's a little there's a little dispute here, AJ or no Lauren questioning Vikings over the Steelers. Um, Lauren, who you got this game? Who who you got that game? Viking versus Steelers. See, that's hard because I want to say Minnesota, but uh, the Minnesota. Steelers, you know, Steelers, Steelers showed out, showed up last game, and old Ben, old Ben shook off the rust, and you know was able to take some tortle shots maybe and get get his hips working again. But got the tortle shots popping them like candy, <laughs> popping them like candy. Uh, I think a lot of it's going to depend on if uh, Dalvin Cook is healthy. Um, if if he goes, I'm probably leaning Minnesota, but. Um, I just didn't know if this was up in the air because, you know, AJ's love for the Minnesota Vikings and Kirk Cousins versus also his all-time favorite head coach and Mike Tomlin. So, or one of his all-time favorite maybe head coaches, but who, 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 how is he not on anybody's all-time favorite head coaching list? But anyway, um, the best. I was, I wasn't sure what AJ was thinking. So I wasn't sure which way you guys were leaning. The Vikings are the favorites in this one and the money lines 170 for him. They're favored by three points though. So oh. I just want to know what AJ's kind of thoughts were on it before I now pronounced that he's picking the Vikings for everybody. Yeah. You know, that's a good point. Actually. I hadn't, I somehow that, that game escaped my notice. I would have called it out. I think, uh, I mean, what do you say? You've got, uh, you know, Kirk cousins who can't win a close game to save his life. Uh, and you've got a Steelers defense that has been sufficiently stingy to keep them in games long enough to allow them to to, to pull off wins occasionally. Um, it's it's kind of astounding, really. I mean, to think of how good Big Ben has been in the past, uh, but then you've got really questionable young receivers that can't catch passes for the for the Steelers versus the that outstanding receiving core out in Minnesota. Oh man, it's so hard. It's such a hard matchup to call. Um, I think given that those circumstances and uh, given the fact that I have no idea, I'm going with Mike Tomlin because uh, you can't bet against him. So I, I just I just pulled this up. Uh, Dalvin Cook got a limited practice in today. So he did not practice on Monday. Practiced a little bit today. Uh, their game is on Thursday, though. So, um, AJ, I got I to go with you on this one. Uh even if Dalvin Cook plays, I mean, he's playing with two injured shoulders, which is absolutely brutal for any quarterback or running back. Sorry, um, against I, I still, I still feel like the Steelers' defense is better than advertised. Um, I mean, Ben Roethlisberger is a complete shell of himself, but I mean that defense still has T.J. Watt, still has Devin Bush, still has uh, Minka Fitzpatrick. So, uh, and we all know that. Kirk Cousins is a perennial choker. You guys have seen it plenty of times in Washington, and you've laughed at him do it in, in Minnesota. So uh, I'm going with the Steelers here on this one. Uh, yeah, coming coming off the loss to the to the winless Detroit Lions, to the Lions. I, I just can't trust. You can't trust these Vikings for anything. Yeah, that's yeah. It's a good thing I brought this up because I was gonna be like, we're all picking Minnesota, and everybody would have been like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. They're <laughs> like. Whoa, 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 whoa! What do we? We all no one, no one agreed to that. No, I think that. Uh, I think I said. I think I said uh, maybe before I started passing it around. They're asking your guys' opinion. I might be leaning the Vikings, but I think on that. I think Eric brought up a good point that changed my mind on the short week limited. I think the Steelers. Uh, Mike Tomlin will get his boys up for a Thursday night game. Um, they're feeling. They're feeling good after that Ravens big big time Ravens win. Um, you know they're they're feeling alive at the playoff hunt. You know they Mike Tomlin will probably have another winning record this year. So I think I'm going to take Pittsburgh as well in this. So 
I'm glad I brought this up. Brought this to everybody's light. Yeah, that was a good call. And uh, definitely so, a good call. Mike Tomlin's looking at the, at the locker room, and he's staring them boys in the eyes and saying and telling them, "I want you to put the word out there that we back up. We back up." <laughs> <laughs> uh, the only other one that maybe it's a question mark, or maybe I got one or two more, is the 49ers and the Bengals, or are we all just assume since he's just going to blow the doors I'm, off the 49ers. I'm taking, I'm taking Cincy here. All right, and then the other one I had was. Uh, uh, Chiefs, Chiefs, Oakland, but I didn't think I didn't think anybody had any faith in Oakland at all. Nah, not at this point in the season, not anymore. I think they kind of lost their magic at this point. All right, Eric, hit the button. They lost all right, sir. Here we go, Lauren. Your magic minute. All right, here we go. So, uh, one o'clock game: uh, Jacksonville Jaguars versus the Tennessee Titans. Tennessee Titans are minus nine favorite. Money lines minus four fifty. Jacksonville the dogs. The money lines plus three fifty. Over under forty four. We got Tennessee Titans whooping on the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Raiders versus the Kansas City Chiefs. Another one o'clock game. We got the spread is uh, minus ten. Uh, money line minus four fifty for the Chiefs. Chiefs are the favorite. Over under is forty eight. Plus three fifty is the money line um, for the Oakland Raiders. The another one o'clock game we have on Fox is Atlanta Falcons versus the Carolina Panthers. Uh, the uh, Carolina Panthers are the favorite by minus three. Money line minus 150. Money line for the Falcons is plus 130. Over under is 43. We have the Carolina Panthers beating the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, the next next one o'clock game on Fox, we have Seattle Seahawks versus the Houston Texans. Uh, Seahawks are the favorite by minus eight. Money lines minus 350 uh, for Seattle. Uh, plus 280 for the Texans. Over under is 42. We have Seattle beating the Texans. Four o'clock game is the Detroit Lions, the one one win Detroit Lions versus the Denver Broncos. They are playing at mile high. We have uh, the Broncos are minus eight favorites. Money lines minus three sixty. Over under is forty two plus two eighty five for the Lions. We have the Detroit. Uh, excuse me. We have the Denver Broncos beating the Detroit Lions. Then uh, another four o'clock game we have is New York Giants versus the Los Angeles uh, Chargers. Uh, the Chargers are minus uh, 11 point favorites. Money lines minus 550. Uh, considering the fact that the Giants are starting Jake Fromm at quarterback, we have the uh, Los Angeles Chargers beating them. Don't even, take, don't even take the don't even take the uh, the Giants in this, uh, and probably take that under. Uh, San Francisco 49ers, another four o'clock game versus the Cincinnati Bengals. We've got Cincy. The Vegas has this as close. They got Cincy as a only a one point favorite money line. Uh, both the money lines are negative. Uh, minus one, uh, 115 and uh, minus 105 for the 49ers over unders 49 points. So Vegas does it. Vegas has kind of had this one up, but they up in the air, but they've got the Bengals as the favorite. Then on our Sunday night game, which you probably shouldn't even watch is the green Bay Packers versus Chicago bears Packers are 13 point favorites. Money lines minus 700 over unders 44. So uh, green Bay, it's safe to say green Bay is probably going to run away with that one. Yeah. Uh, Aaron, and that, well, it helps when you own the team as part of the other team. Yeah, exactly. Aaron has a staking claim in <laughs> oh the Chicago God. Bears. Uh, and that concludes Lauren's fastest minute. Ladies and gentlemen, Lauren's magic minute. Thank you so much, man. And it is at this point that we will let you all go. Thank you so much for riding with us, listening to me rant about my hate for all my AFC East rivals, uh, listening to AJ and Lauren absolutely gush about their four-game winning streak, Washington football team, and all other things. As always, guys, we appreciate y'all. Uh, subscribe. Uh, follow us on Instagram. Go deep. Podcast on Instagram. Give us some comments. And as always, hey, go if, deep. You have, if you have go Apple deep. Podcasts, leave us a review. Don't forget that. Oh, yeah. Apple Podcasts. Go deep. Go deep. Go deep. Go deep. <laughs>